Hi, I'm Aaron and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, where we explore, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I'll be interviewing the best artists in the game while also taking some time to appreciate some new and classic albums. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming news and guests. Also, don't forget to check out my new Patreon under Hip Hop Hustle that will give you exclusive content and help me keep the show running and getting better. All right, let's get into it. Awesome. Well, welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. Uh, We've got a fantastic artist, Whitney Payton. She's come through and uh, she, if you haven't heard of her, I think you're you might have missed out because your career is actually really impressive. You've worked with artists and performed with artists like, you know, Tech Nine, uh, Big Crit, RA, The Rugged Man, literally the the list goes on, Jadakiss. Like when I was list, like reading through all the artists that you've come across in your career and all the people that you've worked with, I was like, how are you not bigger than you are? Because literally wow. it's like the... the all of the names there are really big in the hip hop world, but do you ever like have to take a moment to be like, wow, like look at what I've accomplished, especially because I mean, you've been rapping for a little bit, but it's not like you've had a 20 year career. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's weird because I feel young and old in the game at the same time, because I kind of like, I am young. I have, like you said, I haven't had a 20 year career. I'm not old enough to have had a 20 year career. Um, <laughs> unless I started super, super young and was in people's videos or something when I'm a baby. But, you know, I think I, the, the weird part is I've been talking to people about this. The why are you not bigger, even though you've worked with bigger people? I think one of the reasons really is because people like to have like a very clear cut idea as to what lane you're in almost like we love to label things we love to be like okay they make this kind of music or they make that kind of music so like it's great to be versatile and luckily I've been able to perform with so many different kinds of artists but at the same time I think my biggest strength has also been my biggest weakness in the sense that people don't know how to define me so it's kind of been hard to almost market myself because I've toured and performed with all different kinds of acts. So people don't know what to expect. They're like, okay, is this next song going to be a rock rap song or is it going to be a gangster rap song? Like today I released a song with The Game, who is a very, you know, uh, very gangster rapper from LA. Like he's, he's known for the more gangster rap. And then I've released songs with like Asking Alexandria, who's a rock band. So I think it's really cool because I've worked with so many big people, um, but defining me on my own. And I've had solo songs as well. I don't just like put out collabs all the time yeah. or just work with, rely on everyone else. Just so everyone knows is clear. I don't just rely on other names or whatever. I put out all my like solo stuff too. But I think because I've been associated with so many different kinds of acts, um, it's both helped and hurt me because it's like, okay, we don't know how to define you. You go, you know, have a song with gangster rapper, and then you have a song with a rock band, but that's just kind of what I like to do as an artist. I don't like to be just one thing. Cause I think as people, we're not just one thing. We go through a lot of different emotions. We have, you wake up every day. You don't want to have the same style of clothes that you wear. At least I don't like, I don't want to dress the exact same every day. I don't want to be in the exact same mood. You're not like one mood, you're not one this or that. So I think I try to represent all of it. And it's kind of been like, 
yet. It's hurt and helped in a way, if that makes sense. Well, I was going to say the game is one of my favorite rappers. He was actually due to come down to Australia. I had tickets and he actually got stopped at the border. I didn't, he didn't fill out his paperwork correctly. So I didn't end up getting to see the game. So, and now obviously with lockdowns and stuff like that. So fingers crossed he can come out and I can see him live and hopefully you can come out as well. But I was going to ask you, how would you define you and kind of where you put yourself in the music industry? You said that you go through, you know, all these different genres and you jump on, you know, whatever you're feeling, but how would you describe what you do to, you know, the lay person or the person who hasn't heard your music before? Yeah, I mean, it's like a roller coaster of genres, really. I mean, it's I'm always rapping. I'm always doing hip hop. So I describe myself as a hip hop artist, though others, you know, when they've described me, they're kind of like, well, you're kind of all around because you've done so many genres. But no matter what genre I'm doing, I'm always rapping on the song. It's just dependent on what the mood is of the song, though. It might be like more aggressive or more laid back, uh, depending on what's going on. But I, I see it as a challenge. I mean, I do. I've rapped on metal songs and then I've rapped on like super laid back, uh, just, you know, guitar riffs or just a synthy EDM kind of songs. Um, I would say just an all around artist. If I had to compare myself to other artists, maybe a female version of like MGK or, you know, someone like that who's more versatile as far as their artistry being like rock or hip hop or even at times like dance and, you know, DJ EDM. So it's, it's, it's weird. I'm still like every day I find my own lane and I kind of polish it a little more. So, I mean, if you're going to go tune into my Spotify, you're not going to just hear one like vibe. So if you're like, okay, I'm in a chill vibe. I want to listen to this one certain artist like Adele, or I want to listen to this, the Migos, cause I just want to turn up for me. It's not like, it, it just is going to embody everything. If you're just going to put my music on, you're going to get like a, a soundtrack to kind of everything. And it's going to go up and down between ballads and, and party songs and everything in between. Well, I think that the one thing that hip hop artists don't do a lot of is jump into different genres. Like, like you said, like I really don't hear very much of like a, a, a rap on those you know, metal beats, or I don't hear that. And you purely because I think also it's really difficult because I'm sure, and I was going to ask you how you manage the flow, but you know, when you listen to all the greats, you're like studying them and you listen to the beats that they have used in the past and, you know, the boom bap, and now it's like the trap beats, but how do you actually learn and how do you work on adapting the flow to things that traditionally don't fall into hip hop? Yeah, I mean, it can definitely be a little more complicated because when you're going to have, if you have an instrument heavy song that has a lot of guitars going on, drums, and if it's more rock or metal and you have just more instruments, you have to find the pocket a little more because then you're just going to have things fighting. You're going to have the vocals fighting, the guitar, what, you know, what have you. So, I mean, like any other instrumental, I just, I write, I make sure I'm writing to, to whatever it is. And then too, I mean, luckily uh, we have the layers of everything. It's not like uh, back in the day, if I found a beat or ripped it off the internet or something, it's like, we can't change things about it because we're just doing it old school style. We're just, (laughs) we're just doing it as ghetto as possible. Like I've done it that way. But like nowadays, um, 
we can kind of move things around me too. So I can write to an instrumental. Um, if there's something kind of overstepping uh, step in me or whatever, we mix it in a way where we're like, okay, let's move this guitar from here to here because at this part, it's like fighting with me. I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, a guitar solo. I can't be rapping during guitar solo or vice versa, you know? So it's kind of like, as you kind of get bigger and you know more of the artists behind the instrumentals too, not just, because the song's not just the vocals, it's whoever's behind the instrumentals, it's having a good engineer, a good producer, um, and you can kind of make things work around you too. So you, I work around the instrumentals, then we make them work around me. It's a little more involved than, you know, back in the day when I just like found an instrumental, ripped it off the internet or whatever. I didn't have the layers to it. I didn't have anything broken down. I would just try to make it work and wrap over it. Now it's kind of like we can move things around a lot more. There's a lot you can do in production and and uh, if you have the breakdowns of the instrumentals and stuff, we can we can move stuff around and make it a cohesive song where everything's complementing each other. You know what I mean? So, so it's it's cool in that way. It, it it's definitely a challenge, but it does it feels more artistic and there's it feels like you can you can do a lot. Well, I always think the producers are the unsung heroes. Sometimes we don't yeah. give them enough credit, but like there are tracks where they'll literally move vocals, they'll rework it all to make sense, and like. Yeah, I don't, to be honest, I look at what they do and I look at what you do and I'm like, I have no idea how it's possible. I'm obsessed with these videos of like uh, instrumental breakdowns, like the samples that they yeah. got. And I'm just like, I don't even understand how you hear it, let alone hear it, all these like elements and into a beat. Yeah, and I mean, I think I've gotten better too. At, I record myself, so I, I have a home studio, so I engineer my own vocals, but I don't mix uh, myself. There are artists who do, um, but yeah, it is, it's a artistry in its own right. It's like, you have to have a really good ear for it. A mixing engineer can really make or break your sound. So like, yeah, if you're working with the right person that brings out the right parts of your voice and knows how to complement it with the uh, the instruments and everything, yeah, it's uh, it's an important thing to find. So luckily, I've been working with this one guy, Bag of Tricks Cat, who's also a rapper, but he's been mixing all my recent stuff, and he's just awesome. And I, you know, nowadays it's like we can send things to each other online. Like a lot of artists, a lot of my collabs. I'm not in the studio with them, but we have to make it sound like we were in the same place. So the listener's not listening. And it's like, you know, the song with like game that came out today, it can't sound like the game is on a completely different microphone than me or in a completely different quality of sound than me, or else it's going to be jarring to the listener. Like what is going on here? They might not understand what they don't like about it, but they're going to be like, there's something here that sounds off. And there's something I don't like, like the mixing engineers and producers have to figure out how to make it sound like, we recorded on the same equipment. We're like in the same studio, the same space. Like it's, there's a science to it and math. And I just, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's its own thing. Yeah. And that track is on the way to PHX. If anyone hasn't heard it, yeah. go check it out now. It's look at me being professional, plugging something in the middle of the podcast, but. Right. Uh, at 7 a.m. What is this? <laughs> um, 7 a.m. Australian time. That's it. That's it. Hey, you. You got to be willing to do the things that other people aren't willing to do. And if the worst thing I have to do is get up and speak to hip hop artists, I think my life is pretty good, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. That's a that's a pretty cool life to wake up and you could like for all I know, you're in your PJs from here down. Oh, one hundred percent. I'm always 
like whenever I have any meeting, if it's an important meeting, I'm professional up top and then mm-hmm. almost no pants underneath. It's just, you got to be free at some sure. point. That's what I love about the studio. Like when I'm recording uh, albums and stuff, they can't see me. So it's like, I could record a really serious song, but I could be in a onesie for all, you know, like you don't know, you know, I'm in my slippers and stuff recording this, this ballot. You have no idea, but as long as you're comfortable. Do you have like a, a go-to outfit or is it whatever you're feeling? Cause I know there are some artists who are superstitious. They're like, I wore this when I released this song. And it was amazing. So now I'm going to wear this all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I need that. I need to have, man, I don't, yeah, I don't think I have a good luck piece of clothing, but I would definitely say that I wear something that I can breathe in because if I'm doing something long-winded, like I like to record pretty much verses in one go in the sense like, I don't like to punch a lot. (laughs) So um, I have to take really deep breaths and I just, yeah, if I'm wearing something too tight and I can't, uh, breathe accurately i mean that's that's a thing but i don't have any good luck items of clothing yet i need to get on that i need to find something well you know maybe you you think back when you when you release this track and you know i'm sure it'll be big like already i can see the people listening to it like it just dropped today so you know maybe yeah. maybe you just start having something you can create a story behind it i don't know but like <laughs> It's a quirky, like, artist thing. I know athletes do it all the time. Like, one of my favorite athletes is Rafael Nadal, and he has to be the quirkiest dude on tour. And he, like, he has everything. He puts his bottles in the right place. He won't. He has to step in each of the boxes. Like, hey, it works. So superstitious. Like, it's almost like an OCD and superstitious thing. Oh, he's really OCD. He won't get up from the chair first. He'll wait for the opponent to to go first. Like, he just has everything super meticulous i'm not like that it it would drive me crazy to be that meticulous because i'm like let's just play right yeah yeah i think that would be a lot to think about and if you accidentally mess up one of your steps you feel like it would mess up your playing like what if he accidentally got up first and was like fuck i just messed it up now i can't now i'm gonna yeah now (laughs) all right everybody reset Give me another hour for the whole thing. we got to do it all over again. Right. Exactly. Am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Yeah, I just, definitely. okay, cool. cool, cool. Yeah. There's no <laughs> senses in my like, podcast. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it would be weird for me to have a hip hop podcast and be like, no swearing. Cause like, but you are up at 7am. So that threw me off because a hip hop podcast where you're up at 7am kind of. Yeah. But it would be way weirder for me to be like, all right. Whitney, I have to be at 5 p.m. So you got to get up at like 4 a.m. to do this podcast. This would never happen. <laughs> I uh, I just played a college show last week where they, like last minute I was booked for it because another artist, I think, pulled off of it. But they told me on the way there, I was at the airport and they're like, okay, so you're going to do an hour long set. You cannot curse during your set and you have to wear your mask while you're performing. And I was like, Oh, wow. You know, like they threw those, those at me on the way. So it's like, I had to do a 60 minute hip hop show, you know, to a college where I don't think kids at university really care about swearing. They're, they're older, you know what I mean? They're not, it's not like I'm playing a bunch of 10 year to 10 year olds, you know? So uh, that was interesting. And then also wearing the mask while I perform and have to try to like take these deep breaths. It was definitely a challenge, (laughs) but yeah. So now I never know what to expect. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, how was that? Like, how did you react? Because for me personally, you said that and I was like, pass. Like now I probably know why the other <laughs> artists pulled out because they were like, here are That's the rules. That's probably why. Yeah, because they were like, have you heard my music? Like, have you listened to any of it? And also performing, like going for a walk with a mask is annoying enough, let alone a hyped up performance. And like expression is yeah. so important as part of that. So like, yeah, what did you do right. to make up for it? I mean, it was hard. I definitely had to practice. I practiced with the mask on a couple of times. I did some run throughs just to see, because I was like, I don't want the first time I'm trying this is to be during the actual performance. And it was definitely a little breathier. And then I think it was, it was harder even not cursing because it was so second nature that I was performing the songs a certain way, especially because I rap pretty quickly. So it's just like muscle memory at this point. I'm not thinking about my lyrics as I'm doing them. I'm just kind of like, you know, uh, letting them happen. So I had to be really conscious of like thinking about what I'm saying next rather than just letting it go. So I think it was, I probably moved around a little less than I usually would be jumping around and stuff, but yeah, it was a challenge. And then, you know, I'm talking to the college kids and they definitely didn't care. So it was a policy, not, <laughs> not enforced by them. I don't know who, who exactly put that into place, but yeah, it was, it, it was hard, but I mean, I can't, I can't complain because this is my, this is my job that I get to do every day and wake up and do. So it's like, oh, what? I can't curse. Well, screw Like some, there's a lot of people who work jobs that they can't curse at their job. So I guess I was like, all right, <laughs> I guess I'll switch this around. But it was, yeah, it was a challenge. I don't prefer it. I definitely don't prefer it because that's a lot. I didn't realize how much I curse in my songs until I'm told that I can't. Did you let one go though? Like did one slip out? Like just between you and me, did, did, was there a, you know, one or two that, you know, just, you just can't control. You couldn't help. Yeah. I think mid word, I tried to probably like, like <laughs> make it sound like something else. I, I didn't really have edited versions of my songs and uh, granted my backing tracks are not doing all the vocals that I'm doing live. I don't keep all my vocals in there, but there are, there's a couple like backup vocals in there that I had to flip around. So they just sound like, I'm like, I promise guys, I'm not speaking in tongues. I just had to edit myself. So uh, anytime you hear in the track it going backwards, I, you know, I was like, don't let me be known of the, as the Illuminati rapper that speaks in tongues. <laughs> That and it has all these though. backwards messages in my songs because I'm like, some of these sound ridiculous with what I had to do last minute. <laughs> so it was it was weird. It was interesting, but I don't know. I don't know if any of the college kids noticed or what, but yeah. I doubt it. I doubt they're going to be the ones who are like, oh my God, she swore on stage. I think I can't handle this anymore. Like that, <laughs> it's such a weird rule. Like I, I still don't understand it because you don't, like I wouldn't book a hip hop artist if I'm like, Hey, don't swear. Unless like, cause there are like Christian rap artists. There are people who do right. that type of genre of hip hop, but then to just be like, you know, those lyrics that you always do that are important and how you've structured, we got to change all those lyrics because they don't fit with our messaging. It's so weird to me. Like just don't book the act. Right. Right. You're booking me. And like, not only am I not swearing, but still the subject matter of whatever the song is remains the same. So I don't know, whatever the underlying message is, it's still going to be that, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, yeah. So even if you're doing an edited version, I think it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. They've heard it all. So I don't know. It's the politics of it all. Uh, I think too, after surviving this year, like college kids after surviving the, 
the last year or whatever they've had to go through and, and gun violence we see at schools here in America and stuff like that. Cursing is the least of their, <laughs> their worries. I don't... <laughs> this year of all years, I think you can drop the odd fuck. I think you're allowed to do that. And I, I've, yeah, never I really understood, I've never understood the like obsession with, especially like adults not swearing, because to me, it's like you get so much feeling out of this, like what swear word you use there. If often so creative and I'm like, how you came up with that insult was brilliant. Just like the phrasing in it. But yeah, I've, I've never really understood. I trust people more that swear, like people who swear, I'm like, they're genuine. You know what I mean? Because too, as long as you pay, if you pay your bills, you pay your taxes, you do your thing, like you do all the other adult things that are required of you, then uh, I think you should be allowed to swear. That should just be a, a thing that you get to do. Well, I think especially when you pay your taxes, I'm usually swearing at the same time. <laughs> I don't know why I brought that into it. I'm like, pay your taxes. Look, yeah. at, we're on message. We're, we're on like, you know, be a good citizen, pay your taxes. Pay your taxes as annoying as they are. I know. I'm being a rapper too, saying pay your taxes. It's, a, it's yeah, I don't know. But if you do all that, you make your legal money, you do all your, you know, everything you're supposed to do, you should be allowed to swear. It should be something you've earned. I agree. Well, one of the things that you brought up is like obviously working with different types of acts, but do you feel like they are learning about hip hop when you're there? Like, do you feel like you have to educate people about the genre or are you surprised maybe the other way around of how much they know about it already? Like, is there kind of a generality when you like deal with other genres? Um. Well, I never claimed to be like a spokesperson for hip hop and especially given my like image and things about me. It's like, there's people that are like, oh, she's, not real hip hop or she is or there's always and I think that's probably with any genre there's always going to be the elitist of like people saying what actually defines certain kinds of music so I just you know I consider myself hip hop just given that I am rapping like whether you know, people <laughs> want to admit it or not like that is that's what I do um but as far as the actual background of where hip hop was originating or anything like that, I'm not claiming obviously like to have been part of that. I'm part of the culture, but I'm also not a defining part of like being the spokesperson to explain to others what hip hop is or isn't, especially to them. So I just, yeah, I mean, I just kind of, uh, when I, when I perform, I'm not thinking that I'm like necessarily teaching them about hip hop. It's more so, I have different messages given what the song is for different songs and whether people relate to that or not is really what it is. Cause I have people that don't even necessarily listen to rap or hip hop, but they're like, Hey, you're one of the few rappers I listen to because I actually relate to your song about mental health or I relate to this or that. There's such a stigma that hip hop is just about being a womanizer or talking about material things. And, you know, I, I'd imagine you're a hip hop head since you're, you're into this as a podcast. Host. A and you know that if you dig deeper, hip hop's actually really not, that's more the mainstream of what hip hop is thought to be, but there's a lot of deep messages. You have like artists like uh, uh, Nas and Talib Kweli and uh, just artists that are talking about some real stuff, Jedi mind tricks where, and they're from the same area I'm from, you know, in Philadelphia. So 
you have some artists talking about some real life stuff that you can really relate to. And I think people, if they're not that familiar and they're only hearing what's being kind of fed to them, uh, they're thinking that it's just about bragging and, and about what you have and just like, I don't know. So they, they're not seeing that, oh, it can be about other things. It can be about uh, mental health. It can be about uh, relationships, uh, struggles, uh, financially struggles with uh, your parents or your siblings or anything. So um, I'm, I'm happy to expose people to maybe another side that they wouldn't have given a chance unless it was almost me delivering it because I just don't look like I fit any kind of image and not, and my sound doesn't kind of fit maybe a stereotypical sound. And that's really like, <laughs> that's really it, but I don't claim to be any kind of representative or anything of hip hop. You know, you have definitely the, the OGs that are the legends and, you know, whether I can stand next to, next to any of them or not, I don't know, but like, yeah. I think it's people don't really get the origins of hip hop and like what spawns the the music. And a lot of it is, you know, commenting on the times and people talking about, you know, what's going on in their neighborhood and what they see. And it yeah. really started as just that type of form of expression of like, we're just talking about what's happening in our lives. And it's obviously elevated and you've got, uh, and for people who are going to listen to this, the audio version, you've got, uh, Winnie Payton's got the soundproofing and then artists in between the soundproofing. So Ice Cube, Eminem, Will Smith, just to name a couple yeah, I of them. Bonnie, I have Prince. Yeah, so like a lot of the more iconic uh, artists of their particular genres. Um, and once you influence me, I mean, I definitely think uh, like Will Smith, I like him because he's an entertainer all the way around. He's not just a rapper. He's an artist. You know, he's an actor. He's he's so many things. I think Gwen Stefani's a rocker and pop artist and a style icon as far as how she like entertainer and how she dresses. And I think she uh, for me, as far as style wise was a big influence because she kind of always was like a mix between urban and rock. So I really enjoyed that about her. So it's like, yeah, I kind of uh, keep all these artists up that are older than me that kind of paved the way that I can be reminded and stay humbled and be like, okay, these are true icons that, um, yeah. And they didn't care probably either if they were asked, oh, uh, you know, how do you feel representing this genre represent? They, they might not have even been trying to do that. They were just doing their own thing. And that's what ended up making them representatives of their genres because they just were different and set trends and were fearless and kind of reminds me to be fearless. Cause I think now in this day and age where we see so many things online and there's so many comparisons, like I'm super guilty of it. Like I, I look at other people and I compare myself maybe too much and I'm like, Oh, maybe I should be like this. Or maybe what if I looked like that? Or what if, and then it's just like, it's, it's really hard nowadays. You go through a lot of identity kind of crisis. And I think whether you're an artist or not, or just someone, you know, a, a young like girl or guy who frequents like the internet is always scrolling on Instagram or whatever. It's easy to kind of get wrapped up in other trends and think that you got to do that to fit in or whatever. But really all the biggest uh, icons kind of paved their own lane and didn't follow anything else. So just got to remember to be genuine. Yeah, I think the hardest part, especially in hip hop and being an artist, is that like it is braggadocious by nature. Like 
you you do show off your accomplishments and you're releasing a song and then who you're meeting and stuff like that. And so if you're starting and you look at all these big artists and they're working with the best producers and they're going to this studio, they're having lavish dinners and they're starting to like, they're living their best life. And then you look at it and you're like, I'm that is so far away from where I am. And it can be disheartening, but the reality is obviously no one posts their problems on Instagram. Like no one posts that. And if they do, it's in a filtered way that is, like digestible and makes like everyone at that level is doing it for a purpose beyond just like, it's not therapy at that point. You know what I mean? So I think it's really important for people to, as you said, find your own sound and use these people as inspiration rather than going, they're so far ahead. Cause also there are so many artists that I'm sure everybody, like someone, I, I used to write a TV show and the reason I used to write it. And I was like, well, there are so many shit TV shows out there. I'm sure I could do it as well. And it was like the motivation of like knowing that anything could happen, anything could get made. So why, why wouldn't you be able to do it? Like there are people who's going to like your stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. And I think too, it's not just the lavish lifestyles for me too. It's also the speed in which people are releasing stuff. I think Sometimes I need to sit back for a second and be like, okay, <laughs> chill out because I'll try to be keeping up. I find myself trying to keep up and be like, uh, you know, quantity over quality at times. And that's just not sufficient. You know, it's not, you're not going to be happy at the end of the day if you're an artist that's just trying to keep up throwing things out there because once it's out there, it's like once something's on the internet or whatever, it's there. Like it's, it's hard to get back down. So if you're not proud of your work that you're putting out, it's like, it's there, you know, forever. So you want to be happy with it. You don't want to release something until you're completely satisfied with it and feel like it's like as good as it can be rather than just putting it out to hit deadlines. That's what gets uh, crazy nowadays. Cause we're so used to like, I mean, we order things online and we can get it the next day, basically. So we're so used to things being so fast, like uh, that we're not used to waiting anymore. It used to be you release an album maybe once a year. And for the whole rest of the year, people are like talking about that album. Like it could ride out the whole year and you could be marketing it for that long. Now, if I release like an album or something like a week later, people are like, okay, what's next? Like, when's the next thing coming out? It's like, what? I just released like a whole, a whole album. It took me months and months, you know, or whatever, but that's how quick we um, kind of expect things nowadays. Well, I think that when you release too much as well, you do yourself a disservice because you don't pay enough time to the projects that you've done. Like I think sometimes artists, they release a project. They're like, this is awesome. And then next week they're promoting something new. And it's like, but you, you spent time on this and you haven't given it the breath to like really see the light of day. And even if the first week is slow, you still got to promote it enough so that it can come out. Like, so I think there's a balancing act and people hear stories about people releasing, you know, one song a week for a full year. And they're like, I want to do that. But like it's really difficult because then your fans as well, if I missed the first song or the first album and all of a sudden you got five, it's too much. And I'm like, it's overwhelming because I don't know where to start anymore. So finding the balance of like promote your work. So it gets out there. Once you feel that it's kind of hit the peak, then you drop something new and that's kind of the, the key to it. It's just, yeah, I feel like, 
we oh, forget. Yeah, that. I agree. I've done it both ways. Like this year, I've done it kind of both ways. I've like had a big lead up for a song where I'm promoting it like a month out and I'm just, that's all I'm promoting is just this one song or whatever, a music video. And then I've done it where I'm dropping something like once a week where I'll go like a month or two with a song coming out once a week just to kind of see, okay, what, how are the fans digesting this and what are they liking more? Because I definitely, when I space it out too much, people are like, there's always going to be both. There's people who like, things to come out slower and then there's people that are like I want I need something once a week or whatever so I've kind of tested the waters of both and I find myself to be happier when I have time to put enough effort into one thing and focus into one thing rather than like yeah boom 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 okay I just dropped something now I'm already promoting the next thing um I gave that a try but it's like definitely yeah it's hard it's hard to it's hard to um just focus on one thing when you're doing I have too much ADD for that I'm like no I can't I can't I can't multitask I need to focus on one thing I can't have five things coming out at once this is too much I can't multitask and then you said you want everything you release to be fire like you want it to be like I would you would rather have a small catalog with just absolute killers like just amazing track after amazing track rather than you know 10 albums that you've released in three years and it's like I got to really dig deep to find your best work. And that's like, and I think for some people as well, uh, they're really good at writing. Like they just like, they can't stop. And so they're like, I have to make this song or I have to do that, but they're not critical enough to be like, or someone's not there going, Hey, this is not your best. This doesn't go on the album. You shouldn't release this or whatever it is. And I think that's just the challenge of, especially a young artist rather than someone who's deeper into their career. Yeah, I can totally agree with that. You want to put everything up. Like people are like, oh, we finished it. Let's put it up tonight. I'm like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> like chill out. But yeah, that's the, um, that's what we're used to right now. I call them almost like the newer and not to, uh, there's a lot of good uh, new artists, but some of them I call like just the microwave rappers. That's what I call like some of the newer ones because they heat up real quick. Like they blow up real fast and then they fall off just as fast because they're not they're just like the fast food. You know what I mean? It's quick. It's, and then people are over it kind of just as fast It's not the filet mignon of rap, you know what I mean? And not, not that they're not needed to, and not that they're making content that's like unwelcome or whatever. Cause you need kind of every, everybody, everybody in it, but that's just kind of how their careers go is they just heat up real quick and then they're done. Like, so um, yeah, you just don't want to kind of end up being that where you throw something out happens to go viral and then you just aren't taking the time to follow it up with something that's right for it. You're just throwing out whatever, whatever else. And then you, you're just seeing a lot of kind of like one hit wonders right now. I think people get bored of the same sound. Like I'm like that as a listener. I'm like, I've heard this album before, like, and I preferred your, yeah. that album last time because it was new to me. So I think like as an artist, you want to stay fresh as well. So if you're releasing the same thing every single time. And that's why I struggle with some of these artists. Like you said, they blow up real big, but they haven't got the experience or like the depth in their music to really do anything different. And so I'm like, I've heard this. It was good the first time and it was good the second time, but now I'm bored. Like, like me goes to me there when they blew up, it was everything, but I haven't listened to anything since because I know what I'm going to get. It's exactly the same. And if I want that, I'll go to the original track. So I think you got to keep 
bring in something new and be like, I'm developing as an artist rather than just like, you're just going to get the same thing every single time. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of collabs are welcome now. I think we're seeing artists collaborate more than ever before. And it's because they're able to kind of fuse their different sounds now. And rather than give you maybe the same thing, if they were just to do a song by themselves, maybe they just keep making the same type of song, but writing with other people and having someone else feature kind of brings a different element or sound. So I think that's why too, we're seeing a lot of crossovers and stuff. And cause the, cause it's easier to do now than ever before. Like I said, we just send each other stuff through email and, and whatever, and we can be anywhere in the world and collaborate with each other and, that's kind of the beauty of the internet. I know there's bad things about it too, musically. It's kind of, you know, collaborating, I'd rather be with the other person because I think artistically you can play off of each other, but it is nice that even if you both tour or you have way different schedules or you're in Australia on a different time zone, everything, like you can still find a way to work with each other. So there's, there's pros and cons to it, but I think like that's one of the beautiful things about how technology is advanced and, and you know, I, I really like that. Well, have you listened to something that someone's done on the same track and be like, damn, I got a lift or like they did something that is really interesting. Maybe I should switch the way that I deliver this or my flow. Like, do you do that? that oh, like rewrite impact? my verse. <laughs> yeah, I would do that all the time. Like, shit, they beat me on that. I got to go again and I got to <laughs> rewrite it. And then I got to, you know, deliver it differently and just switch my flow a little bit. Like all those things. I'd be the most paranoid hip hop artist. I think that's why it never worked. I don't have the skill set to be it, but I think I'd be paranoid about that. And that's such a competitive, that's a very competitive mindset. I mean, I, and I know in hip hop, it is a very competitive mindset, but like, and fans sometimes drive that mindset because they'll be like, who had the best verse on this or that. Um, I, I haven't really felt the need to ever like, oh, I got to rewrite my, my thing because two, the way I see it is I'll bring my own unique style. And even if someone raps in a way uh, you know they they're rapping in their own way so it's like it's hard to say who really beat who when it's like everyone's bringing their own style I don't want to change what my style would be just because I'm on a song with you know someone like for instance too with the song just because it's relevant because it happened today the song with the game today the on my way to uh, PHX it's he's very gangster. Like he raps about, he's rapping about drugs in the song. He's rapping about being a blood. <laughs> um, he's, you know, his content is going to be way different than what I rap about. So I rap in a similar cadence to him because it's a slower song, but everything I'm talking about is not uh, comparable as far as our life experiences. Cause I'm not going to pretend now I know I'm wearing red today. Maybe I'm wearing red just because the, <laughs> the song the came out and yeah. I just subconsciously was like, I got to wear red because of the game. Uh, but yeah, I'm not going to rap. Like um, I'm not going to start like acting like I had that, uh, that same experiences or, or have more of a gangster flow because the game's on the song, because it's like when he's featured on the song, he already embodies that. So I see him as that element and I'm not going to try to just match him just because of that. It's like, we already got the gangster on the, on the track. I don't have to try to match his, his uh, aggression and whatever I can rap in my own way. Cause then it's like, okay, well, Whitney was still herself, even when I'm rapping with the game and it wouldn't matter who's on it. Like, I'm still going to sound like me and not try to, you know, just switch to sound like whoever, is on the song because there's already the game there's already if tech nine was on the song there's already tech nine you know what i mean so i try to still uh do my own thing but i see what you're saying about 
the, the fans and the media are always going to compare like who had the best verse, who had this and that. But to me, that's always hard because it's like artists have their own style. So it's kind of that's always going to be subjective and a matter of opinion, you know? Well, I think the difference between you and me is that you're secure in yourself as an artist. And I would be extremely insecure in myself as a as a hip hop artist. You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. I'm, and I'm secure in my podcast. But if if I became a rapper, I would just be so insecure. So I would have to like rewrite everything and just be like, I think this is probably a good thing that I haven't entered the hip hop world other than in this format. <laughs> I think that's what it is. It's just like. Oh my God, I can't be embarrassed. Or it's it's like even embarrassed to myself. It's not even about other people. But I know I compare verses, uh, me and my friends, when we go for drives, we compare verses like who is your favorite verse? And sometimes it's not even like about whose verse is better. It's whose verse clicked with me more. And so you can actually end up winning a verse purely because con- content-wise it hits. Like not everyone likes gangster rap but not everyone likes emotional rap. So it depends what you like. And I think it's important to, like you said, stick to your style. Yeah. And it's not always about technicality. Like one thing I really learned that a producer had said to me, his name's Matt Good. He's actually from a band. It's from, he's from a band called from first to last, which Skrillex, who is a DJ now was the lead singer of, and um, he actually produced one of my albums, Matt Good. And he said, because I was, I was doing that. I was rewriting my stuff, not because of other rappers on my songs, but just because of me. I was like, it's not good enough. I got to rewrite this. I got to rewrite that. It's not technical enough. I'm not rhyming enough syllables. I'm not, it's not impressive enough. Like I kept trying to rewrite stuff and rework stuff. And I was actually just making it worse because sometimes you try to be too technical that it becomes, it's not, yeah, it's not emotional. It's no one can connect to it anymore. It's like, okay, like we get it. You can rap. Like, He's like, are you, he turned to me at one point during the session. He was like, are you trying to connect with fans? Or are you just trying to impress other rappers? And I was like, oh, like, that's a very valid question. He's like, so are you just, do you rap just to impress other rappers? Or you actually like want people to, to listen to your stuff and, you know, like hear your message or whatever, because if you're just trying to impress other rappers, like, cool, but you know, like the fans aren't gonna get it like they're not gonna understand why you're doing it so it's kind of like yeah like someone who's amazing at guitar or something you I don't want to listen to an album that the whole thing's a guitar solo where you're just shredding the whole time it's like cool you're sick at playing guitar can you write a song you know what I mean like can you actually write a catchy song rather than just be sick at playing guitar so like there's a time and place for all of that it's like cool to show off your skill but for me I'd rather write a timeless song that like in 10 years from now someone can go back and listen to and be like, okay, this is a you know, good song. And overall the message still stands rather than, okay. Yeah. Like you're sick rapper, like maybe, maybe one song on the album or something where you're just like, yeah, let me show off my chops here and show that I can really rap. But like, it would just get old if every song's like that. And as a rapper myself, I don't even like listening to, to that. If like every song is technical and nothing is just, sometimes you're just telling a story. Like my favorite Eminem songs, not rap God, like that's a sick song, but it's not my favorite M song because I like when he tells stories and not all his stories are completely technical where every syllable rhymes exactly. It's just like he, you can visualize it though. Like you can actually, when he raps, you can like see it as he's telling it. So 
that's that's what I personally like. And I think, you know, that's what we forget sometimes. We're just trying to impress people. <laughs> well, I love story raps. I think story raps are underrated where it's literally like they're telling you a story in rhyme form. I mean, a children's story is the classic that everyone points to from by Slick Rick as like the iconic version and how to do it. And then you've got, as you said, Eminem does it with Stan. That's uh, another iconic one. And he does it, you know, with Mockingbird as well, where he's telling that story. And you've got, and you worked with R.A. the Rugged Man, who also tells stories in the way he does it. And he has, uh, I forget what it's called, but he, featuring Vinnie Paz and is talking about the Vietnam War. One of my favorite tracks that he's ever done, but like, how was Uncommon it? Valor, probably. Uncommon yeah, Valor, yeah. that's the one. So yeah, if anyone hasn't heard that, highly recommend it. It is, in my opinion, the best track he's ever done. I Just in terms of he has the lyrical flow, but he also, he just combines it. It's almost perfectly. He was meant to do that song and together with him and Vinnie yeah. Paz, he was like. And he's also technical. So he kind of embodies both. Like R.A. can be very technical and a speed rapper and stuff too. But yeah, I do think that the storytelling is what lasts and I think too like Eminem like he's one of those artists that people who aren't rappers like one of his songs comes on a lot of people know all the words to a lot of his songs just because it's that like catchy and he just has a nice natural flow whether he's being super technical or not he's just it's memorable it's just memorable yeah I 100% agree and you know you gotta do uh, I think it's a balance as you said like my favorite rapper of all time is Big Pun, and he has lyrical flow after lyrical flow. But I know that that is not going to hit a lot of people because you have to be a huge hip hop fan to like that type of music. But like Eminem, it's it's way easier to digest, and your music is way easier to, to digest because it's not like I have to analyze every single flow. I can actually listen to it casually. So I think there is definitely that balancing act. Yeah, I, and it's tough. It's a tough uh, balance to to do because, like I said, you kind of uh, we all face those insecurities. Like you're talking about, I think a lot of really good artists, some of the best that I know, are very insecure, and you might not see it because, like you're saying, everyone kind of shows their highlight reel. But I've hung out with enough behind the scenes where. I'm like, oh, they're just as nervous as I am. Like, you know, I see them at festivals or, or things like that. And it's it's kind of a relief, not that I want them to feel miserable or anything, but like, it's kind of a relief to see that, uh, you know, someone like Post Malone or someone be nervous before they go out on stage because you're like, oh, they are human, you know? Like, I felt like I'm the only one that feels this way. Like, I get really nervous before shows. I'm sometimes insecure what people are gonna think of a certain song or whatever. And I'm like, how come a lot of these other rappers can just act real chill and not care what people think? And the truth is a lot of times behind the scenes, they're just as nervous or worried and they they care, you know, what how things are gonna be received or they care that something goes well because they care about their performance. Um, and it's not, as much ego as maybe you see on stage because they're trying to, everyone's trying to give up um, confidence and exude confidence on stage, but it's, it's, you know, behind the scenes, a lot of times it's chaotic and it's, it's crazy. And everyone's going through human emotions, just like, you know, anybody else. And it's, it's kind of, yeah, relief to see like, you're not the only one feeling that way. Well, also the fans don't pay for an, for like that, you know, awkward, non-confident rapper. 
they pay for, you know, imagine coming out on stage and being weird and just like not yourself. And then everyone's <laughs> like, what is this show? This is not the music that you perform. So I like, I get that. Um, and to me, it makes way more sense. Like if I care about something, I'm always nervous before it starts. And then once it starts, yeah. those nerves disappear because I'm in the middle of it. And there's like, just the nerves are like, all right, that was just pre-show. And the anticipation's work- the worst. For oh, sure. I the anticipation. I do you know what I hate the most is like when you're due to like perform or you're due to like do something, but you're not early, you're late, and so you've got to wait hours, and you're you're there, and you're just like, oh my god, I like that is the worst <laughs> part. Is like because you're in that weird place of like you can't practice anymore. What you've done to this point is as far as you can go, and then that's it. You just got to go for it. Yeah. And sometimes I think there's almost over practicing, like, cause you're overthinking it and overdoing it. Like there's gotta be, uh, for my shows in particular, like there'll be 70, 30 kind of like, as far as what I have planned that I do. And then what's just kind of like improv in the moment. Um, I might skip around in my set, depending on if I'm about to do a slow song and I can tell that is not the vibe, I might skip that song without, no one would know the difference because I'm so in tune with whoever my DJ is or whatever, but like, yeah, you kind of have to play to the audience a little. So there's only so much you can plan because you don't, you can't plan their reaction and what the vibe is. So it's kind of like you plan for as much as you can control. And then you got to realize, okay, there's a percentage of this that I just can't control that. I just have to go with it. You know what I mean? So um in a way it's weird because I'm not a freestyle rapper really I I I like to write my songs some people would be like oh well if you can't freestyle you're not a real rapper or whatever but like (laughs) there's a big portion of my uh, uh, show I would consider freestyle in a sense because I didn't plan (laughs) some of it in the sense that I'm changing how I'm performing or I'm changing around my set list or I'm changing around like so there is a bit of like improv whether you know people admit it or not and that's just like what it takes to be an entertainer not just skilled at rapping or not just skilled at playing guitar drumming or whatever there's a there's a difference between just being good at singing or whatever it is and being an entertainer because you have to mold to whatever the crowd is doing and you're kind of like I don't know artists see it as us versus them I don't see it as that it's like me with the crowd because you don't want to make it a fight against the crowd. Like you want to, you want to move to whatever they're doing and whatever their vibe is, you want to match them. So it's kind of, yeah, it's different. Every show is different because of it. That I find interesting because comedians say that for their sets, they usually have the same reaction, no matter the crowd. They know that a set is oh, really, really tight, that like whether it's a small crowd or a big crowd, they can usually figure out what the reaction is going to be. And so when they're ready to shoot a special, they've performed it so many times, they know kind of intuitively what the reaction should be at this point and then what it should be at this point. And they start to say that the because the jokes, but I think it's really different because like a, a comedy set is so specific in the ordering of words of where jokes are placed and stuff like that. But I think that, you know, improv style in terms of a show keeps it fresh and keeps audiences engaged because they're like, I don't know if that was improvised or I don't know if that was planned. And I, I hope <laughs> well, that I think, it was all improvised, yeah. but I know some of it is planned. 
No, I think you're right. I mean, I think when I'm rehearsing and stuff, I have a general idea, especially from experience of having played a bunch of different shows of what it should be. But sometimes you have to be ready as a performer to call that audible of doing, changing it up. And I'm sure it's the same, especially with stand up, because you have no like stand up. I give them a lot of credit and I kind of attribute like I think being an MC is similar because a lot of times it is just you on the stage. Like I don't have a big band behind me, you know, most of the time. And and same thing with comedians, they can't rely on a bunch of other people on the stage with them to kind of take some of the attention and everything off them. It's, it's you. And if it's like, everything's on you to, to steer the crowd, whichever direction you can, you know? So I think, it's similar in that sense. And with comedians, yeah, that you absolutely have nothing besides you to change the change people's minds real quick if it's going south or, or whatever. So, I mean, yeah, they got to have they got to have a really good idea and be really good at reading crowds like to be a stand up comedian. Not only it's not just about being funny and having timing, it's being able to, to read the audience and knowing, OK, I was going to say all this, but this, uh, after the last couple of jokes that wasn't received well. So let me move on to this other thing. So I'm sure there's a certain uh, amount of it that's planned and a lot of different routes they can take if they see it going a certain way. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, okay, well, they don't like it when I talk about this. So let me like switch it up real quick or something, you know? The interesting thing I find about comedians is they'll take like two years to do a 45 minute set or an hour set, but the patience is there for that but it's not there for an artist. It like, you know what I mean? Like for you, because I'm sure you get the pressure from fans. Who's like, when are you going to drop your next album? And your album will be, let's say an hour long, but they expect that album every 12 months minimum plus features plus whatever else you're working on or as a comedian, because everyone's already accepted the time frame. They're like, all right, I know that a special is going to take, you know, 12 to 24 months depending on the life cycle of like the comedian and what they do. So it's just strange to me that people aren't as patient when it comes to hip hop artists or artists in general, they're always just like, hurry up. And it's like, well, it's art and it takes time. I almost think comedians might have it a little worse in the sense that if they're going to go on a comedy tour and they're going to perform the same set every night, if anyone films any part of it and it's leaked, it's kind of like it ruins that you know, for the audience rather than I think as, as an artist, even if they knew what songs were going to perform, they're still going to want to come and see the songs live. But for a comedian, if the jokes are ruined and the punchlines ruined, I feel like a, a punchline you can only hear so many times a song you can hear over and over if you like the song, you know what I mean? So I think for comedians, as far as having their set leaked and having to, you know, perform the same thing every night in a world where uh, something is old, quickly and can get out and can be leaked and can like there's video of it online already before you're even in the next city everyone's already seen it I think that would be really crazy as a comedian you would feel a lot of pressure to have new jokes all the time and to do a full tour with the same set it's kind of like nerve-wracking to think okay did people already see this set and I'm just like performing these jokes over and over you know what I mean like that would be I couldn't even fathom that yeah. Oh, now that you mention it, that is, yeah. I, but I think these days audiences are getting better at knowing 
You know what I mean? Because they res- usually when you go to a show, you go because you respect the person that you want to see or you're looking forward to it. And you know that if you hurt their career, then you don't get to see them again and you kind of ruin, like you ruin it for yourself yeah. in a way. But I'm sure that there are people who don't think that deeply and they're like, oh, it would be cool if I just leak it. But yeah, I think that would be be awful. I'm sure even for yourself, if a song leaked before you were ready and it's like, I didn't get to do what I needed to do to release it. Like I was going to release it, but it got leaked and it's frustrating. And it's just like, doesn't go to plan. Now I've got to change all these different things as well. That would be frustrating. I mean, according to Kanye, they, his, his album was leaked, but I don't know. I don't know if you think that's true or. I don't think so. I think that I am more certain that Kanye, whatever he says goes. I would be really <laughs> surprised if anyone was stepping up and going, let's leak Kanye's album. I, I think it was a yeah. bit of a cop-out. There were some features that were missing. Um, there were some people who were supposed to be on it. I think that was a, a bit of a cop-out. That's me as, like, being a critic. I just don't think that anyone in his, whoever he records with, would have even the the mindset to even think about leaking it because he performed live right. anyway. He, he performed. It seems like a yeah. uh, good marketing scheme. If it was like, oh, my album leaked, maybe people would go run to listen to it even more because they're like, oh, we're not supposed to listen to this because it's not the official album. So I think that I nowadays, even as someone in the entertainment industry, I question everything that is said. I'm like, is this a marketing stunt? Like if someone has beef with someone else, any kind of battles, any kind of distracts, I'm like, are they really friends? And this is just all planned. Like I, I never know anymore what is real. You well, know? Kanye and 50 Cent had their famous beef about whoever sells the most, the other person will retire. And 50 Cent lost. And last time I checked, 50 Cent still has a career in hip hop. So, you know, I think, I think we've gotten quite used to, especially people like, you know, the big names in hip hop pulling these types of stunts because we know I just think it was a cop-out. I just think, uh, yeah, I'm not so sure that anyone would leak a Kanye album because I've it's still on Spotify and there's been no changes. Like I haven't seen anything change to the updated track list or anything. I haven't seen any changes to features. Like nothing's changed. So I'm sure if he really wanted it to change, he could. Yeah, no, that's true. When you're such a powerhouse like that, it's kind of like uh, uh, it would be scary to be the label and just release that he's saying his label released the album so just to release the album without the artist's uh knowledge or permission yeah i don't think that's something that really happens uh nowadays so i mean yeah but it's definitely it's interesting to see the different uh, marketing techniques and what you kind of have to do these days to stand out above everyone else especially like even as a big artist they're doing things like this like even as a massive artist there's still um all these like crazy stunts being pulled to try to be like look at me because of all the music that's getting released and that's like as much as i just raved about oh the internet's great because we can send things back and forth and you can collab with whoever you want then you do still have this mass amount of people putting out work at the same time as you and it can get a little like hard to be the one to grab the attention and at the end of the day the good the good work and good songs are going to stand out but we do live in such a day and age where it's like, look at me, look at me. And it's, it's like an attention game rather than just being good at something. It's like uh, how to get people's attention. And I mean, we saw it too with uh, Jay-Z with, uh, didn't he release? It was like, if you had 
what device was it? Was it Verizon or T-Mobile or something? But like uh, he had like a deal with them where they bought the first million copies of his album or something. And then we had U2 that just had it put into your iTunes library when they released one of their albums. It was just like automatically in your library. Like we've, we've seen all these like crazy things with artists that it's interesting to see the different <laughs> techniques they're using. I think that especially when it comes to a big artist, they're scared of not reaching the heights that they reached before because like, right. like when you're an artist and you talked about competition, but you would be competing with yourself. You want to better what you did. So it's like that. So out of fear of not getting close, you're like, Oh, this is what I'll do to like really bump it up. And maybe the first million won't count, but then after that, the trend will be in the right direction. So I kind of push it. So I feel like there's part of that is like just a little bit of insecurity and wanting it to land the right way so that, you know, you can be like, "Ah, it worked and all this work was worth it. And it's another classic. And, but I think that's just what it is. And you said, you know, I think a lot of these artists are more insecure than what we think they are. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of pressure and I think it's, it's pressure from themselves. It's pressure from labels. It's pressure, but like, you know, albums just aren't selling how they used to. So it's like to have sales, it's, I mean, it's, that's hard anymore. No one's really buying the albums. They're just all streaming it. So uh, like you were saying too, people kind of skip around because they get tired of the same sound. So that's why it's almost like, okay, should we even release albums anymore? Should it just be singles? Because is someone going to listen straight through to a whole album? Are they going to be bored within a couple of songs? Cause people's attention spans, you know, like I noticed too, just songs are getting shorter. Like my writing is making them shorter and just like listening to other people's songs. It's like two, three minutes. It used to be like five, six minutes. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, um, unless you have like some other features on there that hold people's attention or, or whatever, make it longer. Like we're hearing like trippy red has like a verse and a hook and that's it. (laughs) You know what I mean? We're hearing a lot of hip hop artists be like really change, like as far as not repeating hooks minute long songs, things like that. Yeah. I think I actually have noticed the same thing, like two, two and a half minute songs. And for me, that that's like a touch too short. Like for me, the, the perfect realm is between three and four minutes because I want to hear a couple of verses and I maybe want to hear the hook a couple of times, whatever it is, but like I can definitely see albums getting shorter. And I mean, you know, even the, how the track listings are getting shorter. I mean, take away Kanye and Drake who had 20 plus tracks on theirs, but for the most part, people are releasing, you know, eight to 12 tracks. Whereas, you know, we look at 20 years ago, people were doing the double-sided discs. They were going, you know, 23 tracks on a single album and purely because people would listen to it all the way through. But yeah, streaming's made it super easy to be like, skip, next song. Yeah, that's why. And when you release as an artist, looking at it from our side that the fans don't think about as much is like, like one of the biggest platforms right now is Spotify. So when we go ahead and we're releasing a full album, if we want to submit songs for a chance to be in Spotify playlists, we can only select like a single off of the album. But if we release the songs as singles, we could try to get each one in a playlist. So if I'm releasing a song and then a couple of weeks later, releasing a different song, each time I release a song, I could try to get it you know, I could go for it. I could try to get it in a Spotify playlist, but if I'm releasing an album all at once, you can't submit every single song from the album. They only let you submit the one, you know, from each time you're uploading. So it's kind of like, 
I think that's another reason is like not every single song from her album is going to make a playlist or something. If we release it all at once, it's not going to get the attention. Um, so it's like, yeah, are you going to listen through to track 20? And what if you put a lot into, you know, you put a lot of money and heart and passion and everything into all the songs. And then it's like, they might not even get to that track. So that's what really, you know, sucks being an artist too. Cause you have to decide for yourself, what are my best ones? So I can put them at the front. And it's hard as when you're the artist, you like them all. That's why they're all on the album. Right. Like it's hard for you to choose your best ones, you kind of need help of other people's opinions before, before you do it, because it's like, oh, well, I like all the tracks, <laughs> you know? So it's weird. It's weird on this side. Let me ask you, could you ever like say, I'm going to drop an album and then you only release one song a week for eight weeks. And then that's the album. So you like pace it so that it's not too much. And then you can submit it to Spotify because technically they're coming out of singles but they're still in the one catalog. I don't know. Could you do it a, a hack? Yeah, you could end up. And that, that's, we've seen more of that from artists. And that's kind of a thing that I plan to do in the future where it's like you release uh, before you'd release like an album and there'd be like one or two singles. Right. So now, now you release an album and by the time you've dropped the album, they've already heard like seven of the 10 tracks or something like that. So like, hopefully, you know, for me, when I go to release my next album, I still want there to be some tracks on there that people haven't heard. So there's a little bit of like some hype around it rather than, okay, you're dropping an album of tracks that you've already technically released. Um, there's gotta be at least a couple on there that are new so that there's like some excitement from for the hardcore fans, you know what I mean? But yeah, that's kind of the direction we're moving now is like everyone's dropping a bunch of singles kind of leading into an album. And then by the time the album comes out, it's pretty much songs that are already out minus a couple, you know what I mean? So that's kind of the direction um, everything's going in right now. I, I'm lucky to have a fan base that still likes to collect things. So like, even though I'm not the biggest artist in the world or anything, I do have, I'm lucky to have a really like loyal kind of cult following that really cares about albums and really cares about merchandise that comes out with the album. So it's more like an event. It's like when an album comes out, it's like, okay, we know we're getting an album, but we're also probably getting new hoodie designs for the album. I'm wearing one right now for Firecracker. We're getting new jerseys. We're getting new this and that. So it's like, there's a lot of imagery and merchandise and stuff that has to do with it, that it makes it more of an event and thing to look forward to and things to collect that go around it. So that's why it's important to me to appease those fans that I have, but at the same time, appease the new school fans that, only care about streaming, like the 14 year olds that only care about Spotify and streaming and don't really care so much about a vinyl and don't really care so much about the newest hoodie. They just want to add your song to their playlist. So it's like, it's trying to find the balance of like giving everyone what they want and still being yourself and doing what you want to, you know? And the difference between obviously a casual fan and a loyal fan like the the casual listener who has your songs, but they're not, you know, dedicated following. And then those real dedicated loyal followers, they're the ones who really make or break your career. I mean, I've everyone says that is like, those people are the blessings because they literally buy everything. They support you. They're the ones who message you the second anything releases, they're sharing your music on their Spotify's and their Instagrams. And it's like, they're really, you know, the unsung heroes because without them, none of us have careers. Yeah, and I'll take those fans over a bunch of mainstream fans. Like, so in a way, like there are times where I'm like, 
oh, I wish I was farther in my career. Like, why am I not here? And why is this person here? And why am I like, you know, and you get down on yourself, but then at the same time, like I've seen artists really pop off and they'll have like some viral hit song or whatever. And then they'll play a massive show. And then the next year they don't follow it up. They don't have anything else pop off. They just, you know, they're putting out music, but it's just not hitting in the same way. They'll go play a show and they won't even get, you know, there'll be like 20 people at the show. So they went from playing like thousands of people to like 20, like me, at least mine will always be steady. Like no matter if I have a viral hit or not, because I've slowly built those fans up and they are not just like with me for that one song that I had or something. And then they don't care a year later, they are like with the movement and they care about how it goes and they're listening to everything and they're not really so much about, Oh, you had the one viral hit or something like, you know, so it's, and those, those artists end up getting really depressed and really sad. Cause they do, they see that peak of success and they're like, okay, this is what it's going to be every show. And then they just don't have the same success with the next couple of songs. And then it ends up just being no one at the show. So it's just, yeah, that's got to be really devastating to, to your emotions to see it go from like up here to drop back down, but that's how quick it can be. And if you're not building that actual movement and core following and, and caring about those people and, you know, like connecting with them, then it will just fluctuate like that. So i I'm lucky that I can see like steady numbers and, you know, of course I want it to be bigger and keep growing. And luckily it's, it's gone up every single time, but it's like, it's more that slow rise, but steady rather than like, yeah, those drop-offs, which is, that's, that's scary. <laughs> that's yeah, crazy. Uh, I would not know what to do if that happened. Like, because there are, there's so many artists who are not ready for what happens to their career. Like, you know, and most of us would start and most people start and they're like, it'll take some time before I become a big name. And then you release a song and then all of a sudden you're the biggest name, but you're not ready as an artist. Like you haven't developed enough to even hit the level that you've been elevated to. So it is a gift and a curse. Like you may be able to sit on the royalties for that song for the rest of your life. But as a career, if you want to be a true artist, it is really difficult because you have so many people going, well, you've got to follow this up with another banger. And you're like, I'm not ready. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, it's almost in a way they don't know what they did in that song to replicate it because it's literally just good timing. It was lucky. It was like every, all the stars aligned for them. And not just you know, songwriting wise, but also as a performer, because I'm glad that like, I've been able to do all the shows and mess up as many times as I messed up without it being as big of a deal, because it's not, you know, it's not like live on national television. It's not in front of like a full stadium. I might mess up in front of 200 people, whatever. So it's like, I'm glad that I've had those ups and downs because yeah, you see some artists who have only done a handful of shows and then they explode and then now they're performing to full stadiums and they're just not strong performers because they don't have the experience so um once you see them you're over it like you see them one time and you're like cool I saw them perform the, the song that I like it was okay you know they just stood on stage and did it or whatever or you go see a performer who's been doing it for a while and you're like dang I'm gonna go see them again because that was really entertaining so next time they come through 
I want to see him again. Like I, it's not just a one and done kind of thing. Cause they're actual seasoned entertainers. And you felt like, you know, you're part of the show and you had a good time and they really did the most to, to keep your attention and to make you feel some type of way. So it's like, yeah, about being ready as an artist and entertainer, being mentally ready. Like I'm kind of glad, like thinking back, if I would have popped off as like a teenager or something, I might've had like a mental breakdown and you see so many people that do have mental breakdowns and um, yeah, it's crazy because you're just not prepared for all the uh, criticism you're going to get once you're like massive, all the, everything else that comes with it. I think there's a lot. And now, you know, I think I've developed a tough enough skin. I still have my days, you know, of being, um, oh, hold on one sec. There we go. Sorry. I had another call coming through. Hopefully it didn't interrupt it too much, but yeah, I still have my, I still have my days of being like insecure or clapping back online at something someone says. And I'm like, I shouldn't have even responded to that. <laughs> but like, I, I definitely think I think of things way differently than when I was younger, when I would have taken it way more to heart. And now it's kind of like, okay, yeah, someone's saying something on the internet doesn't really mean anything, you know? Um, but yeah, you see we forget that these people are people and that's why you see a lot of artists having these breakdowns or these child stars or whatever, like doing all this crazy stuff. And it's also the pressure and then the media is following you and like you gain a little bit of weight and they're like, they have a headline that's like, they got fat and it's like, just calm down. Okay. Because like I look at Billie Eilish, I was looking and she got targeted for putting on a little bit of weight. Like, and it's like, I can't even imagine what that's like is to be like, you know, you're, you become a superstar and then you cannot live your life at all without somebody commenting and going, what are you doing? Yeah. And then we're told, and I, and I say, we, I'm not, you know, Billy Eilish is a massive celebrity, A-list celebrity, but like any kind of privacy um, that gets invaded, I think people who are celebrities are told, well, you should expect this because this is what you asked for when you like are becoming a celebrity. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I think just because someone becomes a celebrity doesn't mean people should be going to their houses. They should be doxing them. They should be, um, you know, putting up any like private information or anything like that. Like that's not, no, they didn't ask for that. Like, yeah, like in a way it's like you're way more in the public eye so there are certain things that are to be expected but i think we've totally like as a society crossed that line a also, lot and- we're so inconsistent like we're like body positivity but then not for everyone we're like body positivity for all right. these people we've decided except you you put on a little bit of weight so we target you Uh, And you, you lost weight. How dare you? You should have been more. I don't get it. Like to me, I look at it and I'm like, it's just, just really toxic. And I can, if I was one of those people, I would just be like, I don't know what you can do to be better because then there are some people who you start losing their their weight and they're like that bastard. He's losing the drugs. They must be on drugs because they're losing the weight or you see them they they work out a lot or hire a personal trainer or whatever and they do have a nice body then it's like well oh yeah you only have a nice body because you're rich enough to afford all these trainers that no one else can afford like yeah no matter what you do it's gonna be something that someone says it's like oh well you got plastic surgery or you're on drugs or you can afford things that people can't because you know the common person can't afford it but then if you get yeah heavy then it's like oh why are you you can afford (laughs) a personal trainer can't you 
get lazy. Go buy, go get a personal trainer. That's the, it's like, yeah, but you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. But, you know, I think that people are generally, fans are generally getting better. I think sometimes it's just the, you know, magazine covers that like, you know, they want to have a story. So they'll go after you. And it's like, you see it with actors as well. They're like offset. It's off season. They've put on a little bit of weight and then they're like, Look at Leonardo DiCaprio. Look at how chubby he got. And it's like, calm down. Just leave him alone. That's still an amazing actor. Yeah. Like, what is what is Billie Eilish's, like, what does that have to do with her songs? Like, does it affect, has her gaining or losing weight affected her singing abilities? I, you know, it's just kind of, yeah, it's really, it is very strange how we just judge and dissect everything. Well, I only have one last question for you. And it's probably the hardest question that I've asked of, of any podcast because it's the only question I plan on the podcast. Um, but if you had to recommend one album, doesn't have to be hip hop that everybody should listen to at least once to get an appreciation of what would it be? Oh, wow. Yeah. You so did hit me with a hard one. It gets every single person. Oh man. So I can't name like a few. You can name a few, but you got to choose one out of those. <laughs> so like oh. you can do your thought process aloud I, I don't mind that at all okay uh, let's see because there's a few there's a few albums that i think like tech nine killer is a is a great album i think machine gun kelly's um hotel diablo is a great full album um, I'm trying to think about like full, uh, cause even me as an entertainer, what, what albums, full albums have I listened to recently? And I can definitely say that those, those two are ones that stick with me. And it's weird because a lot of people usually name, like when they have a favorite album, especially of a certain artist, they'll usually name their first album, whatever their first album was, but Machine Gun Kelly to me, Hotel Diablo, you know, is, is an amazing mix of both his rock and hip hop side. So it kind of embodies both for me. Uh, Tech Nine's a great artist to me because he can, he's technical, but also has amazing hooks that are memorable. So he gets, he kind of embodies both sides. Uh, so yeah, out of those two for me right now, um, that's, that's what I would say, probably the Tech Nine killer album, because that's when I was really starting to break out it embodies a time period where I was starting to become more of a writer and break out as my own um artist and the Hotel Diablos are a little more recent um but yeah so we'll give it to we'll give it to Tech Nine and that's unexpected for me like I there's a lot but we'll give it to Tech Nine for this one. First Tech Nine mention that's the first really? time anyone uh has done the Tech Nine shout out so you've broken new ground so I'm sure he'll be happy he's joined the cat the list but I tell you what, someone you've worked with and friend of the show, Carl Lucas, he was the fastest answer out of everybody. He knew like that. And it was outcast to Quemini. And then he came back and we reviewed. Well, I, cause I'd never listened to it in full. So uh, I know it's shame on me. Hip hop fan didn't listen to it, but I did like a top five and he came back and we discussed the album, but he was definitely the fastest without a doubt. That's crazy. Yeah, because I mean, just albums nowadays, thinking of full albums that you're like, okay, what do I love from front to back? And I mean, I've definitely heard a lot of people mention Outkast as their top rappers, you know what I mean? So I think 
I'm not surprised, I guess, to hear Outcast, but the fact that he knew it right off the bat, man. It, that must have been because, his influence. Yeah, because he was obviously he comes from Atlanta. So he was there when that album dropped and like he felt the the mecca and felt the impact of it and like everyone and he's like my friends that are lawyers accountants they all love that album everybody just had such a profound impact on on his life so that's the only way i can describe it but yeah definitely he's got the record it was like instantaneous i had to ask him what it was again i think because it came out so fast like i missed it wow that's awesome (laughs) i gotta you know what i'm just gonna strive to be amazing so that you have someone answer even faster and hopefully say one of my albums one day well that would be awesome i'll message you when that happens but uh yes thank you for coming on the show uh did you want to plug anything anything you wanted to shout out your your igs anything like that yes well for people on the live stream that are listening uh right now i guess i mean today the uh song on my way to phoenix on my way to phx dropped featuring the game bag of tricks cat and willie north pole and yeah i don't know when you're listening to this but whenever you're listening to it it's still going to be on all digital platforms so make sure you go check that out and i've been dropping singles all year and i do plan on dropping a new album either at the very tail end of this year or early next year whenever i feel it's ready and set to go for the fans but yeah just look out for me on all social media and spotify i'm constantly dropping new content well, there you go. Whitney Payton comes through. Uh, absolutely awesome person. And we talked about literally everything under the sun. So you're going to get that promo music as well. Deep discography. So if you haven't checked her out, please go and check her out. There are, like we said, heaps of different genres that she's playing in. So if you if you like a bunch of different stuff, she's definitely one to check out. And I'm sure whatever you drop next will be killer as well. And, you know, the list keeps growing in terms of who you're working with, in terms of what you're achieving. So uh, the next thing is hopefully you get to tour in Australia for us and we can see you live. I'm trying. I'm working on it. It's hard over there. It's hard to go from city to city because you guys, uh, what it's just like, a, what is it in between each city? It's just dirt. What do we have to do to get? Yeah, from, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit far fly, away. We have to plane hop. Yeah, it's literally on the plane. Um, and it's also such a large country that, like, uh, if you want to get to Tasmania, you got to go overseas. Uh, and then, like, Queensland is, like, hours away. I think it's, like, three hours away. And then we've got, you know, WA. It's Yeah, it's a big country. But, We're going to make uh, it happen. Yeah. Well, awesome. And there is, I think there's a thirst as well in Australia growing for hip-hop um, and for especially concerts because it's been two years since anyone's really come over here and toured. So uh, we've just got our fingers crossed now. Right. Well, I'm ready. Let's do it. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.